Hello and welcome to this episode of The Road to Net Zero, a podcast from the Advanced Propulsion Centre. My name's Clem Silverman and in this episode we're talking about batteries, and specifically about the latest report from the APC's Technology Trends team titled 2025 and Beyond, Promising Battery Cell Innovations for the UK Automotive Sector. There are three overall trends for automotive batteries happening right now that the report sets up as context. First being, the automotive sector will dominate future battery demand. Secondly, a diverse range of future battery technologies will be developed in order to reduce reliance on just one solution. And thirdly, cross-cutting challenges that will trigger further innovations. So, what guidance is there for which technology the UK should pursue? I spoke to one of the report authors, John Regnart, formerly an analyst at the APC, to find out more. John, really I'd like to ask you the first question would be, what for you is the thing that stands out the most? Yeah, so I think it's the battery industries and the automotive industry's ability to quickly kind of um, coalesce around a vision of what they want. So um, if we take like the clusters that we identified in the report, um, there was the entry level, low cost, high volume performance and high performance specialist applications. And if you look across the roadmaps of the major battery manufacturers or OEMs, they kind of reflect that. So Tesla have three categories which correspond to those clusters, VW do. But then you go down to the supply chain as well and you'll look at POSCO's cathode roadmap or Humacore's cathode roadmap and anode roadmap. And they they correspond to that as well. And they have different like applications and they're going to marry the different cathodes to the different end applications. So that is being reflected in industry. Um, another thing that stands out to me as well is um, how much of flux industry can be in and that, yes, there are some constants, so, such as those three segmentations, but actually it can move quite quickly with you know within specific solutions as well. So like two or three years ago, like LFP wasn't necessarily thought of as a solution, but now once the evidence of a lithium shortage um, and potential like nickel um, price rises and in- increased performance of LFP, actually the industry quickly pivoted again and went, oh, actually, no, this is a good enough solution. I think that's what stood out when I did when we did this report for me. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's interesting. I think that, that kind of brings me on to the next question, really, was what that, I'd like you to explain what you mean when it looks like there's going to be different cost and performance requirements to make batteries differentiated products with a range of cell chemistries available. So just explain to me what you mean about that range of different cell chemistries available and how the industry is reacting to that. Yes, yeah, so um, going back to those so three categories, I'll take each one in, in turn. So let, let's start with entry level, low cost. So what do I mean by that? So um, an entry level, low cost chemistry is something where cost is key. Um, the performance has to be acceptable enough to do a job, but um, margins are low on these types of vehicles. So vehicles, for example, um, like urban-focused vehicles or lighter vehicles or vehicles that you can't get a lot of margin for, they'll want a 
a cost-effective chemistry. So examples could be LFP or LFMP, potentially sodium ion, or some other blends of cathodes that CATL are announcing, like M3P or something like that. So those are like the requirements for, for that particular category. Then you go to high volume performance, and that needs an acceptable performance at a decent cost. Um, so this is where you'll get your traditional NMC chemistries, NCA chemistries. So um, what typically is used in a Tesla or in what VW is using in the ID3, which is a bit more of a premium sector, still does a lot of volume, you know, in the tens of thousands at the moment, but potentially hundreds of thousands of vehicles. You'll see a lot of innovation in that in that sector as well. So you'll see like more silicon being added into the anode and stuff. But effectively, the, the core of that sector is we need an energy dense chemistry that can be in certain volume um, and, and it needs to hit an acceptable cost. It can be a bit more expensive than the entry level low cost. And you have the third segment, which is what we termed high performance specialist applications. And this is where the interest is in the sort of next gen technologies that will probably entered in halo products. So you'll see them in more niche and performance applications first. So solid state, lithium metal are the two biggest examples of those types of chemistries that will come into the performance area first because they, they want to be the people, oh, we introduce solid state first or lithium metal first. And that's like a differentiator for them because you know it's a technology um, differentiator so those are the three broad segments and, and a bit of understanding of why they're different speaking about the uk we probably got demand for those different three categories across what consumers want but what are we most suited to be producing and what changes to the supply chain do you foresee need to take place in order to do that uh let's tackle that first bit of a question about what are we um most suited to um, and a simple answer is a blend of all three, but I'll, I'll, I won't give quite a cop-out answer. The UK's vehicle manufacturing is naturally on the high volume performance and specialist applications. So the likes of kind of JLR, Bentley, McLaren, Aston naturally sit on that sort of high performance specialist and, and, and high volume performance. But then, you know, one of our other biggest manufacturers is Nissan that come into the entry level low cost for things like the Leaf and and then you know um, into that high volume performance with the Qashqai. So the UK is in a really interesting position where yes we have a lot of halo and specialist um, production but we do have our C segment and D segment and um, production. So we'll need a blend and and to put all our eggs on in in, in the NMC basket um, would potentially come with its issues. Um, we, we need a blend of the entry level chemistries that can you know do, do the entry level low cost. We need to continue investing in those high performance specialists because that's what the UK is very good at. It's very good at academic research. It's very good at the fundamental research and some of the applied research in these next generation battery chemistries. And we're starting to get very good in actually trying to commercialize that as well with, you know, with the likes of Faraday Battery Challenge, Faraday Institution and ourselves at the ATF starting to fund these sort of uh, gigafactories and the commercialization. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think we'll c I'll come on to ask you about those funding mechanisms and what role they play in accelerating those innovations. But you mentioned that perhaps more at the sharper end of the high performance specialist applications is where some of the cutting edge technology is. And actually in the report, you outline eight different innovations that stand out as promising developments. 
that could be introduced into the market in the next few years. Just explain what those innovations are and, and who are the major players in, the, in that field. Yeah, yeah. So the report identifies eight. Um, there's two in particular where the UK has a lot of, you know, um, comparatively internationally has a lot of capability in and is is, is particularly attractive. So that's uh, silicon dominant anodes and sodium ion. So um, for silicon dominant anodes, we have players like Nexium and then we have players like Alcogen also doing some precursor material production in the UK. Um, and again, um, silicon dominant anodes are really interesting because they enable a lot higher energy density, a potentially lower cost if you can you know, scale up the material and get it at a good cost point. Um, but you don't have to change the manufacturing processes um, very much for silicon dominant anodes. So all that capex that you've invested in gigafactories and the industry across the world have invested, you don't have to jig it around too much. And so that's really attractive to um, the cell manufacturers and the OEMs because they don't have some capital costs, they can just reutilize it. And that's um, true of sodium ion, um, which is another attractive chemistry. So the UK actually has you know one of the most advanced um, sodium ion companies, Viridian, to conduct a lot of R&D and, 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 and some manufacturing in the UK. But we also have others like Dera Galera. Um, we have anti-power sort of piloting some cells and R&D. But then we have some material suppliers as well, like Philips 66, who are looking at hard carbon anodes. And then we've got Tata Chemicals that can like do sodium carbonate, which feeds into the cathode. So we've really got an ecosystem here, and that's been supported a lot by um, sort of the, the funding mechanisms. I know we'll talk about that later, but it's important to stress that that, that has been able to go from a few R&D capability and a few people looking at it in a lab to actually being a serious kind of um, capability for the UK. So those two, sodium ion and silicon dominant, are um, two particular ones that I think, and the report articulates that the UK is quite good at. Other opportunities where we're starting to have emerging capability in the UK is solid state batteries and lithium metal anodes. You know, the report tried to get the balance between representing the UK capability fairly and understanding that this is a bit of a global race as other countries kind of are, are in this race as well. So we wanted to give that a fair representation. But there is some emerging capability and some good R&D and capability we've now got in solid state so um probably one of the most prominent companies in the uk is illica so they're doing some good stuff on um oxide based um solid state electrolytes and they've been funded through the atf to kind of look at manufacturing um feasibility in their solstice project so there's some good um results there that have come through as well and then with lithium metal anodes there's um, some good companies that are looking at that I'd say those two are some interesting areas to watch out for the UK and that we need to build on. Okay, and so, yeah, so how can we go about building on that? What can government do, these funding mechanisms do, to bring in more private uh, investment, um, to accelerate some of those innovations, uh, attract more players into the field, in, into the UK? Good question. And I think there is still a lot of things that um, government intervention mechanisms can do at this stage, because these are still kind of risky technologies. These aren't things like lithium-ion, traditional lithium-ion batteries that you can see an end market for. There's still a lot of risk involved. So, and, and, and you know, the promising developments that we identified are probably a bit closer to market. 
Um, so they will probably need more advanced R&D funding mechanisms that come through the likes of the APC and the ATF. Um, but there's still a role for, for Faraday doing some of that earlier R&D. Um, I think the key is flexibility and allowing potentially different solutions to compete for a bit. There'll never be one solution, so take silicon dominant anodes. There's loads of different ways to put silicon in an anode. There's loads of different types of material and loads of different types of manufacturing methods. And I think because this, you know, it's still it's still unsure which one is the best or which one could be the best for automotive. So I think having advanced R&D funding and having kind of capital support that can kind of try out these different methods and gives you know give space for competition is important um similar with, with sodium ion and, and solid state electrolytes as well i think you know a, a point the report makes for um solid state electrolytes is yes ilicazoons are really good working oxides but the uk doesn't have that good capability in sulfide or polymer based electrolytes and i do think you know we could benefit from diversifying a bit of our um, portfolio to looking at polymer based electrolytes and looking at sulfide based electrolytes as another potential avenue because we kind of want to diversify our um, approach so i think really the key for me is the flexibility and understanding that even within this one technology category, sodium iron or silicon dominant, there's not going to be one route or one particular type of material that will be kind of the best one. There could be multiple within that that subcategory as well. So I think that's important to reflect. In a way that that helps reduce the risk a little bit in terms of um, investment. Yeah, and I think this is the I think this comes to the nub of dilemmas that you come through with R&D funding in generally. Do you put all of your money on one thing or do you have a more balanced portfolio approach uh, and you strategically pick a few things and then hedge your bets on those narrow areas? And this is what that report's tried to do. You know, there's hundreds of different next generation innovations in automotive and battery cells in general that we could have picked from. But this report tried to narrow it down to eight and go, right, let's try and focus on these where we can and look at the UK capability and, and narrow it down a bit. That was really the objective of what we tried to do. Finally, where can people go and get more information about this report or other battery insights um, via the APC or, or otherwise? Yeah, so any APC insight that, that gets released from the TechTrend team or anywhere else is available on our website on the uh, knowledge base um, part of the website. So you can just click and download the report for free and any other reports that we do. So there's a really good um, piece that my colleague Luke did. Um, it was the latest quarterly demand and there was some really good insight pieces on there that he did on the lithium supply shortage. So if you haven't read that, I would really recommend you do because it looks at, okay, there is likely gonna be a lithium shortage and what in the short term could OEMs do about it? Um, because we hear a lot about, oh, well, lithium miners just need to invest loads in mining on the supply side. But we tried to look at a demand side view of it and go, okay, in the short to medium term, what are some things that OEMs could do about it? And it's a really interesting piece of work and it just provides a different lens to things more on the demand side. So yeah, go check it out. Yeah, brilliant. And um, thanks for listening. <laughs> That's great. Thanks, and uh, good luck in your next adventures, I should say. Thanks, Clem. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening. That was John Regnart, formerly an analyst at the APC, and I've been Clem Silverman. 
please visit apc.co.uk to read all our reports and to find out how to get in touch if you have any questions following this interview.